Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. This week continues our series, The Story. Enjoy and thanks for listening. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to read two different verses out of this chapter that will really set the platform for what we're discussing today from the book of Revelation. So, Revelation chapter 1. If you have a Bible, if you go to the back and just start turning left, eventually you'll find the book of Revelation. It is the last book in the New Testament. And again, we're going to spend some time in chapter 1. While you're finding that, let me ask you this. Have you ever read a book or listened to a story or watched a movie and you didn't want it to end? Like, this is a great book or a great story or a wonderful movie and I'm really entertained. And I know that the end is coming, but I I don't want it to end because I'm really enjoying this. Has that ever happened to you? Well, we are about to finish the last page of God's story as given to us. But here's the deal. The upper story of God never really ends. It never ends. It just keeps going on and on and on for all eternity. And the book of Revelation helps us to understand this. So let's think about what we're going to discuss today. I want you to follow me to the easel because I want to walk you through our final upper story statement. And keep in mind, the upper story is God's big idea. This is what he is doing. And so I have one final upper story statement to share with you that really encompasses the book of Revelation. And then we're going to talk about this book specifically. Very unique book. Very challenging book to understand. It's not simple. It's not easy. But I want to share some fun facts with you about the book of Revelation and its purpose And how appropriate it is that we're discussing these things now. And how applicable it is to our lives today. And then I have two key verses from Revelation chapter 1 that I want to discuss. Then we're going to look at a timeline of future events. And I'm excited about sharing that with you. Some of you have seen a timeline before. And it'll be familiar to you perhaps. Some of you maybe have never seen a timeline of future events before. I'm going to share that with you today in a quick way. And then there's one more thing that I want us to think about, and I believe you'll enjoy this, and that is we need to wrap up our time talking about heaven. What is it like? And what will we do there? Those are questions I've often asked myself. You know, what really happens in heaven? And What will I be doing? Will I have a job? Will I have responsibility? Or am I just kind of floating around doing whatever it is that people in heaven do? Well, Scripture is not silent on that. Excuse me. We're actually given a template for what will happen in heaven. We don't know everything, but there are a few things we know that actually will happen in heaven. So, upper story, the book of Revelation, key verses, timeline, And then we'll think a little bit about heaven. All right, let's jump into our final upper story statement. Here it is. Prepare and share. That's it. I wanted to keep our final statement simple because we have a lot of content to cover today. And I think you're going to enjoy this. But I wanted to keep this simple. So our final upper story statement, this is God's big idea, is prepare 
and share. Now, I think those two words fall out of the book of Revelation. And when you read from chapter 1 to chapter 22, again, these words just constantly fall out. Prepare and share. And if you don't remember anything about the book of Revelation, if you remember those two words, you're going to be in great shape because this is the basis of the book. We need to be prepared and then we need to be ready to share. So prepare and share and I'll come back to that in my application in just a few moments. So let's think about this book for a little bit, the book of Revelation. Its title means Unveiling or Disclosure. Thus, the book is actually an unveiling of the character and the program of God. And that's what revelation means. It's an unveiling, a disclosure about God and His character and about His program and some of the unique things that are going to happen. William Barclay, a Scottish theologian and an author, not to be confused with Charles Barclay, a theologian as well of sorts, said this about the book of Revelation. I think you might find this interesting. Here's what he said. This book finds or leaves a man mad. In other words, spending time in this book and reading it could actually drive you crazy. It really could. Now, why would he say something like that? This is a book of the Bible. Certainly, this is a great thing, and it is. But why would... An educated individual who is a theologian and an author say, you know what, this book really could drive you a little bit crazy. Why would he say that? Well, Revelation is a complicated and difficult book to understand. It just is. And because it is difficult and complicated, here's what we often do when we get to that book. We're like, "Uh, you know, this just doesn't make sense for me, so I'm not going to bother to read it at all. It's for somebody else. And we kind of shut the book and we don't continue reading. I know I do that sometimes because it's complicated and difficult. And my guess is you probably do the same thing. But listen, there is great value in this book and there is a purpose for all of us that we need to get and we need to understand. Because again, the book of Revelation, it is an unveiling of the character and the program of God. So this is great information for all of us. Here's some fun facts about the book. Here we go. The book is written by John, the disciple of Jesus. He's also the author of the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So this is actually John's fifth book in the New Testament. So He's a fairly prolific author. He really shares a lot with us. Historians tell us that John wrote this in approximately 95 or 96 AD. That's when the book was written. Now, it's generally believed that the ascension of Jesus, and what I mean by that is after he was killed and came back to life, a few short days after all of that, he ascended and went back to heaven. It is generally believed in the timeline of events that the ascension of Jesus took place in 33 A.D. So the writing of the book of Revelation is approximately 60 years after the ascension or the return to heaven of Jesus. John is actually an old man at this time. It's interesting because he's really the only disciple that lived out his life and became an old man. 
What we know about the rest of the disciples, Judas killed himself after betraying and selling out Jesus. And the rest of the disciples were all executed for teaching and preaching Jesus. And they were told, you got to be quiet. You know, no more of this Jesus stuff. you got to cut that out. And they're like, you know what? We can't do that. He has changed our lives. We believe in him. He came back to life. We can't be quiet about this. So we're going to keep teaching about Jesus. And they said, you keep teaching. We're going to kill you. They're like, we can't stop. They didn't stop. And they were all killed. All of them. Except for John. Now, it's not so great for John, though. They wanted to keep him quiet. And so they sent him to an island to exile him. Like, John, we want you to go and live, like, way over there. Because we don't want people to hear what you have to say. So they put him on an island in hopes that nobody would ever hear from John again. And he would just live out his life without any more teaching about Jesus. So John is somewhat of a spiritual castaway. Well, it's great. Because here's what happens when John is way over there on the island and he's in exile. God appears to him as God has the ability to do in a dream. And he said, John... Here's what is coming. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to unveil and disclose some things to you about my character and my program. I want you to write this down and share it. And that's exactly what John did. And we have the book of Revelation today from a man who was a spiritual castaway. It's kind of interesting. So here's the purpose of the book. John presents a revelation of Jesus as seen in the events surrounding his second coming in order to encourage his readers. So what you can basically pull from that is the purpose of the book of Revelation is to encourage everyone who reads this. Question, who's reading this today? We are, right? So this is good news. We can all be encouraged and we can all smile because we are reading these words of encouragement penned by John so many years ago. So that's some fun stuff about the book of Revelation. We have an upper story statement. Prepare and share. We'll keep thinking about that. The book of Revelation has a purpose to encourage its readers, and we're going to dig into that in just a moment. I want to share two interesting verses with you now. The first verse is found in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. Here's what it says. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. Now, what is absolutely fascinating to me about verse 3 in chapter 1 is that it comes with a blessing. In other words... Whoever reads this book, whoever dives into this book, whoever studies this will have a blessing by God. What's remarkable about this is Revelation is the only book of the Bible that makes that promise. Right? So if you read these words, if you study these words, it will come with a blessing from God himself. That's pretty remarkable. Now, what does that mean anyway? Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, I... Boy, I, I am so blessed. It's kind of weird. What does that word mean? Or have you ever had anybody at a restaurant say to you, Honey, you have a blessed day. At least that's what they say to me. <laughs> so what is that? What does that word 
even mean? Have a blessed day or I am blessed. Well, the word blessed here in Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 has the idea of being happy or fortunate. Blessed. So get this for a moment. And this is why I believe this is a key verse for us to understand and to comprehend. One of the most challenging books to read in Scripture is the book of Revelation. But if we invest the time, if we read, it comes with a blessing from God like no other book, which means we will have a level of joy because of our time here that did not exist before. So I think that makes the book worth studying and reading and investigating, don't you think? Yeah, it comes with a blessing from God himself. If you read this, you will have joy. Let me ask you this. Do you want the blessing of God in your life? Thank you. I believe you do. And that's why you're here on a rainy Sunday morning, right? You just don't get out of bed for nothing. You came here because you want the blessing of God in your life. Well, one of the ways we can have that, it's defined right here. Read this book. Read these words. And all who do that will have a level of joy that they did not have before. So that's the first important verse. Here's the second one. Same chapter. Verse 19. Here's what it says. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. So these are the words of God here. This is part of the dream And John is recording this, so here's what God is saying. This is a command given to him. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. Again, a command from God to John. Here's what I want you to do. Now, when you take that verse in its normal grammatical sense, you actually get a wonderful outline of the book. And I want to talk to you about that for a second. Which, by the way, the greatest way to interpret Scripture is in its normal grammatical sense. The Bible is a Bible of words. And so we have to understand what those words are and take them in their normal sense. When we get carried away with that, sometimes we can get in trouble with what is happening. So when you get to Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, when you look at that in its normal grammatical sense... We have a wonderful outline of the book. It looks like this. John, I want you to write down the things that you have seen. All right, that's chapter 1. And if you were to read all of those verses, these are the things that John was seeing. And then he said, now, I want you to write down what is happening at the moment. And this is actually chapters 2 through 3. And we find some instruction to seven different churches there. And this is what is now happening. Here's what I want you to say to these churches, John. And then, here's what I want you to do. John, I want you to take a significant amount of time, meaning chapters 4 through the end of the book, chapter 22. And I want you to talk about things that will happen. Things that haven't happened yet. It's not happening now, but things that will happen at some point. Now, you can notice here that a majority of the book of Revelation is given to things that will happen, things that are in the future, and this is what makes the book kind of challenging as well as very fascinating. Okay, does that make sense? 
That's kind of the outline of the book. So let's look at this upper story, prepare and share. Revelation, it is there to encourage us. We've looked at some key verses, verse 3 and verse 19, that gives us an outline of the book. Here's what I want to do now. I want to share with you a timeline of future events. Now, before you see the graph on the screen, I want to let you know that some of you have seen a timeline of future events before based on the book of Revelation. And so you'll remember a few of these items, and hopefully it will encourage you. And you'll be, again, just reminded of what is coming. Some of you have never seen anything like this before at all. And you're going to look at this after I begin to describe it, and you're going to say, what? (laughs) Like, you're crazy, this church is weird, that guy up there is a cracked up nutcase, because I'm not so sure if all of these things are going to happen. Well, here's what I want to encourage you to do, okay? I get it, I understand. Stick with me, because I think what you'll discover is, again, the upper story of God, even working through future events, of how he reaches out in love to rescue people. So let's look at this timeline on the screen. I want you to begin on the left side. We have the Old Testament over here, and we spent really the largest portion of our time walking through the story in the Old Testament, looking at characters and stories and a lot of stuff that happened in the Old Testament. What is wonderful about the Old Testament is when you read through these events and stories, you discover that all of that is really pointing us toward a rescuer and a Messiah. Like he is coming. At some point, he's going to arrive. And here we are living in Old Testament times, but one is coming. And eventually he did come. His name was Jesus. He was born. And I believe Jesus is the central figure in history. Nobody did the things that he did. Nobody said the things that he said, most outstanding and remarkable person in history. And so what we find at some point in the timeline here is the cross. The cross represents the death of Jesus. And we'll also use that to picture his resurrection. And so we have the Old Testament time frame. And then Jesus eventually came. He lived. He died. He, was, he rose again. And he conquered death, paying the price for our sin. All of that symbolized in the cross. Now, what happens after the cross is that Jesus returns to heaven, and we are living in what is described here as the church age. That's us right now. That's today. God established a new program, a new way of getting the word out about how, how to have a personal relationship with him. And he said, look, it's by trusting in Jesus alone and his work on the cross, and how he came and lived and died and rose again And I'm going to use the church, that's us, believers in Jesus. I'm going to use the church to get that good news out, the gospel, to the ends of the earth. And so we're currently living in God's program called the church age. And this is how he works. This is how he gets the word out. So this is a wonderful time, the church age. And again, that's described in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. The next event on the prophetic calendar this overview of eschatology. By the way, eschatology is just a fancy theological word that means end times. So we're dealing with prophecy and end times types of things. So the next event is what is called the rapture of the church. 
And this is God instantaneously taking the church up to meet Him. It is a catching up. It is a moving up that will have dramatic impact on the world. The church just gone instantaneously. He raptures the church. He catches us up, those who have trusted in Jesus alone to save Him, and we get to spend an eternity with Jesus. That is the next event on the prophetic calendar. Question, when does that take place? Well, here's the answer. We don't know. We don't know. Scripture tells us no person knows the hour except for God himself. What we do know is that this rapture, this catching up to meet Jesus, to be with him forever, is something that could happen at any moment. And so there is urgency to do what? To prepare. To trust in Jesus alone so we are ready for that event and we don't have to fear anything or any kind of separation from God ever. This is all about preparing. So the rapture, the catching up of the church, those who are believers, this is the next event on the prophetic timeline. What happens after that is described in Revelation chapter 6 and following as the tribulation. This is an outpouring of wrath on the earth, the likes of which we have never seen. It'll be a terrible time. Terrible time on the earth. Again, I believe from what we see in Scripture that if we've trusted in Jesus alone to save us, we will miss that time frame. We will be with Him in heaven. But there will be this outpouring on earth that will just be awful. Scripture describes this as lasting for seven years. What will happen at the end of the seven-year time frame known as the tribulation is that you will see here an arrow coming down is that Jesus will come back to earth, the second advent. And Jesus said over and over again, I'm coming back. I am coming back, and he will, at the end of the tribulation, to defeat the Antichrist, the one who has established himself as the world ruler, who is anti-God and anti-Christ. This will be an evil person, and Jesus will defeat him. And then what we discover here is that he will establish his millennial kingdom reign, which will be for 1,000 years. That's described in Revelation chapter 20 as a time of great peace. 1,000 years. At the end of the millennial reign, the great enemy of God, Satan, will be loosed. And he will create some havoc and some problems, but he will be squashed and defeated once again and thrown into the lake of fire. There will be one final judgment. That's the arrow going up and to the right. It's known as the great white throne. After that judgment, Eternity will begin, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And as you can see, eternity just goes on and on and on. It never ends. Interesting, isn't it? Now, listen, that's a lot of stuff. And what do you do with that? What's a proper response to the timeline as given to us in the book of Revelation? My guess is that some of you are saying, I am not so sure about all of that. And that's fine. Again, I get it and I understand. Here's what I would encourage you to do if you're wondering about this. Or maybe you're here and this is information that you've read before and you get it. It makes sense. I would encourage whatever boat you may sit in right now, read through the book of Revelation. Just read through it. Because 
All of these events are described in tremendous detail. And the book comes with a blessing that we will have joy that we did not have before as a result of this. So I would encourage you to read the book of Revelation. For all of us, though, here's the heart of what I want to say today, and that is prepare and share. Prepare. You can be ready for anything that happens next and have no fear of the next event by trusting in Jesus alone to save you, by taking that gift and embracing His leadership and His forgiveness. That's how you get prepared. And if that is something that you've never considered before, I want to give you the opportunity to walk through that today. This is how you prepare. And then share. And here's why I think we need to share. It's because I believe we probably all want to take as many people with us as we possibly can. Heaven is for real. Eternity is real. And what am I doing to share that with others? And so the question becomes this. Am I sharing Jesus? You think about that right now in your life. Am I sharing Jesus? And if not, why not? Because Jesus was not designed to be kept on the inside. He's designed to be shared. His life is an invitation. So am I sharing Jesus? Prepare and share. Now, let's look at this timeline once again. You'll notice that eternity just goes on and on. doesn't end. Even though our screen ends, it just keeps going forever. So I have often wondered and thought, well, what happens in eternity? What is heaven like? You know? What will I be doing in heaven? Will I just be floating around on a cloud and playing a harp? Is that heaven? Because that sounds kind of boring, actually. I don't like sitting around and floating. Sounds kind of weird. And I don't play a harp, so I don't think that's going to work for me. But what is heaven actually like? I think it's interesting when you ask this question. Most people superimpose their wants and their wishes on heaven. Like, oh, I know heaven will be like just a great fishing event. Or heaven will be a place where I just hang out and drink beer with my buddies. That's heaven, right? Like everybody kind of superimposes, here's what heaven, heaven will be like. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to be doing those things or not because Scripture doesn't exactly say that. But it is not silent. It's not. And so when you get to Revelation chapter 21 and 22, there is a description here of the new Jerusalem, which is the capital city of the new heaven and the new earth. And so... I want to roll out 15 observations about the new Jerusalem. I'd encourage you to write down a few things. You might find this fascinating. You might find it intriguing. You want to study it a little bit more. Again, I want to let you know all of this stuff. I'm not making it up. It's found in Revelation 21 and 22. So be a good student. Look into God's Word. Again, you get a blessing by doing that from the book of Revelation. So let's roll out 15 observations. Number one, its inhabitants will include many people groups meaning there will be a lot of diversity, which is good. There'll be no tears, no sin. The city will have a radiant glow because of the presence of God. The city will have 13 gates and towers. Get this, each tower will be carved from one pearl. Imagine that. Pearls are kind of small, aren't they? Well, imagine a tower out of one pearl. Wow, what a sight. The gates of the city will remain open because there will be no enemies. There will be angelic guards to the city, not because there are threats, but just to reinforce 
the concept that there is perfect security. Perfect. The base of the city, I think this is kind of interesting, is square, with each side measuring approximately 1,500 miles. That's just one side. Imagine a square. 1,500 by 1,500 by 1,500 by one more, right? Did I, did I get it all? Like, this is a massive city. Massive. To give you some perspective, Philadelphia to Dallas is approximately 1,500 miles. So imagine a city encompassing that kind of property. Revelation 21 and 22 also tells us that these walls will be over 200 feet thick. It's just a massive place. Massive. Now, in the spirit of full disclosure, I think it is fair to point out that Philadelphia is mentioned in the Bible. Dallas is not. It's not. It's not going to find it. Eagles are mentioned in the Bible. Cowboys are not. Careful. So that's just the spirit of full disclosure. That doesn't mean anything, really. It's just kind of noteworthy. All right, let's move on. The city will contain no temple. There'll be no church there. So there's a real sense that we get to do church together right now. That's why this is valuable and important and why we need to invest in this time. We'll still worship in heaven, but there'll be no need for a temple or a church because God is there. He's there. No sun, moon, or stars because God's glory will illuminate the entire city. It's interesting when you go back to Genesis, what did God create? Sun, moon, and stars. But in the new heaven and in the new earth, there's no sun, moon, or stars because God's glory just illuminates everything. Pure water will flow from God's throne. God's throne will be positioned at the head of the main street of the city. We will see God's face. Imagine that. There he is, his face. Faithful believers will have more authority in the city than those who have been less faithful. At some point, I would like to dig into this and do another series about this concept. But there is a real sense that we will have jobs and responsibility to do in the new heaven and in the new earth. And it will all be based on our faithfulness in the here and now. So what we do right now matters. Because we're storing up rewards and we're storing up work opportunities in the new kingdom. Again, that's all based on how faithful we are today. What about our bodies? Well, picture this for a moment. Especially those of you who have walked through a sickness or a disease or have lost someone to that. Those of you who have disabilities, our bodies, they will be healthy and whole. Imagine. Healthy and whole. I've often wondered, what age will, will, be, will we be in heaven? You know, will we all be one age, or will there be a variety of ages? I don't know. The Bible's not clear on that, so we can kind of speculate and guess. But here's what I do know about our bodies. We will have the ability to recognize each other. I don't think we're going to be any less intelligent in heaven than what we are here on earth. So we're going to have the ability to recognize people. Imagine all the reunions in heaven. If someone has gone before you 
and they've trusted in Jesus alone, we're going to have the opportunity to see them again, and I believe we will know them and recognize them. That's incredible to consider. If you long for that, know that that can happen. These reunions are going to be amazing. I talked with a friend this morning as he was walking out. He said, you know, this was really, really encouraging. He happens to be Italian. He said, you know what? I think the Italians are going to get together in heaven, and we're going to be eating meatballs and pasta, and it won't affect us, and it's going to be great, and we're going to be yelling and really loud, and again, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but we are going to recognize people. I don't think we're going to look much different than what we look now. I think because of the fact that we remember, it brings up the question, If I have the ability to remember, doesn't that mean I will remember all of my failures and sin and the stuff that bothered me on earth? If I recognize other people and remember them, won't I remember all of that as well? And if I do, won't that discourage and depress me that here I am in this beautiful place with streets of gold and these pearl towers and the presence of God, but yet I can remember my sin And that'll make me kind of sad, and that doesn't sound like heaven. Well, I want you to listen to the words of Randy Elkhorn. He describes it this way. Heaven's happiness will not be dependent on our ignorance of what happened on earth. Rather, it will be enhanced by our awareness of God's grace and justice in the unfolding drama of redemption. In other words, we will be so enamored and captured with the presence of God that that is what will occupy our time. And we'll just be consumed with, there he is. There he is. I get to worship him in a complete way. That's Revelation. So let's think about what we've discussed. I've given you an upper story. Prepare and share. Revelation, its purpose is to encourage the readers. Comes with a blessing. I love verse 3. That's what it says. Verse 19 gives us an outline of the book. We talked about the timeline, and we also discussed heaven. So let's wrap up our 31 weeks by saying this. God's upper story of creating, inventing, working through people, working through a nation, sending Jesus, working through the church, and then all of the stuff that is to come. Prepare and share. That's it. If you have trusted in Jesus alone to save you, then guess what? You have an ongoing part of the grand upper story of God. You'll get to enjoy every bit of it, no matter what happens. And that should encourage you and excite you today. It should make you smile. It should put a bounce in your step that you have this grand ongoing part of the upper story of God because eternity goes on and on. In other words, you're prepared. Great job. Great job. For those of you who may not be prepared, maybe you've never trusted in Jesus alone to save you and you're not sure about that, you're kind of kicking the tires to see if Jesus is who he claimed to be, I want to ask you today, come home. Come home. You've got to face tomorrow anyway. Why not do it with Jesus? Who calls out to you and simply asks you to open your heart 
in your hands and to trust in him and allow him to lead and forgive you without adding anything to that. That's how you get prepared. And then for all of us, am I doing my part in sharing the gospel, the good news that Jesus came and he died and he rose again paying the price for my sin? Am I doing that? So I want to close by reading the last verses in chapter 22. This is it. The book is closed after this. So final words. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, Yes, I am coming. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. Father, we come before you and we are thankful for our tremendous journey of walking through your story. What a remarkable thing to consider what you have done for us. And God, over and over and over again, you're constantly reaching and finding a way to rescue and redeem what you love the most because you desire to be in a relationship with us that much. You sent your son Jesus to live and die to pay the price for our sins. He rose again. He paid a price for us that we never could have paid on our own. And so we get humble and we bow low before you and we are grateful for your amazing story. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Maybe you're here and you're ready to Trust Jesus. You want to prepare for everything that is coming. Maybe you're ready to open up your heart and your hands to him and you're not going to add anything to that you're ready to trust. Then I just want to ask you from your heart to God's ears in the quietness of this moment, just tell him, God, I am trusting in the work of Jesus alone. Tell him that. Tell him that you believe that he died just for you. And that he paid the price for your sins, your mistakes. And then just tell him that you want to embrace his leadership and his forgiveness. You don't want to add anything to that because there's nothing you can add. It's all God. It's all the work of Jesus on our behalf. Just tell him that you're trusting in him alone to rescue you. And thank him. Thank him for saving you. For any who have made that decision for the very first time, I want to say congratulations to you. I think that's the greatest choice you can make in life. You now have a friend in Jesus. You are prepared. No matter what happens, no matter what comes, you're with Jesus. Maybe you're here and there's somebody that you need to share this with. And you've been nervous about that, not sure exactly what to say or how to say it. Would you just pray now for that person that God is planting in your mind and on your heart that you would have the courage and the willingness to open up a door and to have that conversation about Jesus. Just pray for that individual and pray for yourself to walk through that.
God, we're thankful for these 31 weeks where we have just walked from beginning to end through this incredible book called the Bible where you reveal yourself to us and your plan. God, help us not to forget these things. And as we continue to teach in the days and in the months and years to come, maybe we be reminded of, yeah, I remember that, and that's where that fits, and that's what God was doing. And God, again, just give us a big picture of your story from beginning to end in your marvelous grace to all of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.